Hello there. I'm Pastor J. Dylan Proctor, and today we're going to be talking about the basket of Jochebed. Now, Jochebed was the mother of Moses, Miriam, and Aaron, and her life gives us an example of how God changes the world through the family. Today on Mother's Day, I want us to take some time to examine Jochebed and how she impacted the world. Because you see, Jochebed, her life, it really does show us how God wants to come to you, to each and every one of us in our family lives, and show us that through the family, that through mothers simply being mothers, that we have the power to change the world, and that mothers can have a great impact on our world, far more than the forces of the world, that our governments and other great top-down policies that want to come over us and say, we are the great, powerful forces, but God says, all of that is a lie. On this Mother's Day, I want us to realize the great power that God has given to the family, that we are not helpless creatures who exist to be subjugated by the forces of the world. The kingdom of God is built on righteous mothers who change the world simply by being faithful to the family, the first institution that was given to mankind by God. So let's go ahead and open up. We're going to have a short prayer, and again, this is Kingdom of the Logos, a Christian program of critical thinking and adventure. I'm Pastor J. Dylan Proctor. Let us pray before we get into our message. Gracious Heavenly Father, I ask that you come. Be with all of those who listen to this message, Lord. Be with me here in the studio. Be with those wherever we may be. May our hearts and minds be opened up to receive your power, that you would come and embolden us. Don't let us be discouraged by the world around us, but let us see the great gift which you have given to us. We ask all of this through Christ our Lord. Amen. And so I do truly thank you for being with me today. We're going to be talking about Jochebed. And you may say, well, that's a strange name. Preacher, I haven't heard Jochebed a lot. And even if you look at our scripture today from the first and second chapter of Exodus, Jochebed's name is not found directly there in the text, but nonetheless, we do get her name from the genealogies of Aaron, which clarify who exactly Moses' mother is. And of course, Moses, Aaron, and Miriam, they're all brother and sister. And today, we're going to be looking at Exodus chapter 1 into verse 10 of chapter 2. So let's go now to the story of the Exodus and find out about this mother. Find out about Jochebed and who she was and how she changed the world. Exodus chapter 1, verse 8. Now there arose a new king over Egypt who did not know Joseph. He said to his people, Look, the Israelite people are more numerous and more powerful than we. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them, or they will increase, and in the event of war, join with our enemies and fight against us and escape from the land. Therefore, they set taskmasters over them to oppress them with forced labor. They built supply cities, Pithom and Ramses, for Pharaoh. But the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied and spread, so that the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites. Now the Egyptians became ruthless in imposing tasks on the Israelites, and they made their lives bitter with hard service in mortar and brick of every kind of field labor. They were ruthless in all the tasks that they imposed on them. And now if we go down to verse 15, we get a little bit closer to one of our particular stories where we're going to be looking at Jochebed herself. In verse 15, the king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, one of whom was named Sifra and the other Pura, he said, When you act as midwives to the Hebrew women and see that they are on the birth stool, if it is a boy, kill him. But if it is a girl, she shall live. But in verse 17, the midwives feared God. They did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them, but they let the boys live. So the king of Egypt summoned the midwives and said to them, Why have you done this and allowed the boys to live? And the midwives said to Pharaoh, Because the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women. 
for they are vigorous and they give birth before the midwife comes to them. And so God dealt well with the midwives, and the people multiplied and became very strong. And because the midwives feared God, he gave them families. And then Pharaoh commanded all of his people, Every boy that is born to the Hebrews you shall throw into the Nile, but every girl you shall let live. Now a man from the house of Levi went and married a Levite woman. The woman conceived and bore a son. And when she could hide him no longer, oh, excuse me, let me go back to verse 2. The woman conceived and bore a son. And when she saw that he was a fine baby, she hid him for three months. But when she could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket for him and plastered it with bitumen and pitch. And she put the child in it and placed it among the reeds on the bank of the river. His sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. The daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river. And while her attendants walked beside the river, she saw the basket among the reeds and sent her maid to bring it. When she opened it, she saw the child. He was crying, and she took pity on him. This must be one of the Hebrew children, she said. And then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and get a nurse from the Hebrew women to nurse the child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Yes. So the girl went and called the child's mother. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child and nurse it for me, and I will give you wages. And so the woman took the child and nursed it. And when the child grew up, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and she took him as her son. She named him Moses, because, she said, I drew him out of the water. Now, this is the story of Jochebed. Jochebed is Moses' mother, and Moses, he gets his name not from his own mother, but from the daughter of Pharaoh. And Jochebed, she was born a slave in Egypt, and she was a mother during the wicked time when Pharaoh ordered the death of all the Israelite baby boys. She had given birth to a son, and she could not hide him from the grips of Pharaoh. Yet, being a woman of godly character, she would not just hand him over to the tyrannical god-king of Egypt. Therefore, she placed him in a basket, and she entrusted him to the power of the one true God, the one who has power over all creation. If we could, just for a moment, I want us to look at this story from a very personal level. I want us to imagine Jochebed preparing the basket for a son. A basket, you know, this is something which is an everyday, ordinary thing, but it's about to be set apart in her life, because every time she looks at this basket, it's going to bring up the memory of this moment. We do this a lot in life. We have big changes in life, and we remember the smells, the sounds, the things that are around us. This basket is a pivotal moment in Jochebed's life. This basket, something which went from an everyday item, maybe she made the basket herself, her precious son, the one who, after giving birth and having him for a few moments, just three months, she looked at him, she saw that he was precious, she loved him, like all parents should love their children. And she looked at her child and she said, my precious son, he's going to use this basket as a vessel. And she lowered him into the waters in this basket. This truly was an act of faith where Jochebed was handing him over to her God. We can only imagine that these moments of preparing the basket must have felt like an eternity. Setting the, the cloth down in there, something that would keep him comfortable while he was there floating down the waters. You can only imagine the things that ran through her mind. Would this be the last time she saw her son? This basket, it contained both her hope and great uncertainty. Did she think she would ever even know the fate of her son, regardless if she saw him again? Would she even know what happened? 
I can only imagine that the sorrow in her heart must have been immense. But she was making the only righteous choice that was available to her. If she were to keep her son, he would surely die because she could not hide him from the Egyptians. Her only hope was to lower him in a basket and trust God to provide him safe passage to an unknown destination. For the rest of her life, she would surely remember this moment every time she looked at a basket. When we read through the story of Jochebed, they're found in, in Exodus 2, this scene it is reminiscent of Abraham's sacrifice of Isaac. For in this moment, we see a parent fully handing their child's life over to the care of God, trusting that he has some power and knowledge that we do not. That even in the midst of tragedy, when the child may be taken from us, where there is death that is certainly coming for our, our, our loved ones, where the Egyptians, they want to kill the child. Even the midwives are pulled in by this, and Pharaoh is commanding them to kill children. It's a very wicked, wicked scene. Jochebed, she has no power over life and death. She has to trust in God that even if something happens to this child, he will be there to collect it. Jochebed, she placed her son in the basket and set him down in the waters. She could not bear the thought of his death at the hand of Egyptians, yet she had no power to provide life for him. Her only hope was to fully surrender him to a transcendent God. Her only hope was that the mysterious provisions of God, they would come and provide this child's life, some power, some restoration where she could not. And in doing this, she finds the power of God comes to rest with her as well. In a great miraculous moment, the child is returned to her by the daughter of Pharaoh. The very instrument which was trying to kill the child was the one that returns the child to her. And by fully surrendering her child to the authority of God, she finds great strength and blessing greater than she could have ever acquired herself. In fact, she goes from wondering if the child will live to now she's being paid by Pharaoh's daughter to raise her own son. And this, this scripture this story, it reminds us something that the world doesn't want us to see. You see, our world has trained us to think that righteous change, it begins in political change. That if we'll put all of our hopes in new top-down policies and new solutions, that if we can have sweeping political change, then we'll find ourselves freed and liberated from the tumultuous storms of life. However, the wisdom of God teaches us something that is fundamentally different. Throughout Scripture, we find that change starts with the family. That with individuals being simply faithful to God in their family lives, especially when it's not easy, that they can change the world. And let's be honest here. Jochebed's act of surrendering her son's life to God, that's not an easy choice. It was her only hope, but it was not an easy choice. I can imagine there would be many of us who we just couldn't bear the thought of, of setting the child in the basket and letting it be carried down the waters in an unknown situation. I can only imagine that so many of us would want to sit with the child, even if that meant the child's death and our own death. To surrender your child to something which was very likely death, how could you do that, especially when it's out of your power? Jochebed's act of surrendering her son's life to God, it was not easy. She had to say, this is beyond my means. And in doing this, it's very much like the sacrifice of Isaac with Abraham. She puts the child in the basket, lowers him in the waters, and says, This is completely beyond my control. Not because I don't love him, but because I do love him. And her act of giving her son's life to God, it was not easy, but it was her only hope. Our world viciously wants us to believe that governments are the most important and most powerful aspect of society. But God has been telling us all along that this is a lie. 
The world wants us to think that we're powerless, that we have to sit around and wait for the experts to tell us what to do, to lay our children's life, not in the hands of God, but in the hands of the experts, in the hands of someone else who might do something. They might choose if they live, they might choose if they die. Our world is desperate for us to believe that the governments are the most important, most powerful aspect of society. However, God has long been telling us that we as individuals, as families, we have something much greater. God has been telling us all along that the most important and powerful force in society is the family. And that families that fear God, they can start a righteous fire that spreads throughout the world and shapes history. We look here with Jochebed. Jochebed did more to shape the course of the Israelite people than did Pharaoh. She, saving her baby, putting him in the full care of God, putting him down in the waters, her child will grow up to be Moses, the one who God calls to deliver. Sure, God would have still worked, but our history would have certainly looked different if Moses was not the one called by God. We look throughout the Bible and we find the stories of Abraham and Sarah. We find those of Zechariah and Elizabeth, and even Mary and Joseph to see how God, he begins with the family to enact great works that will change the course of history. And remarkably, God didn't come to Sarah and say, I have some phenomenal thing for you. I want you to solve the world. When he goes to Elizabeth, who is very much like Sarah, he doesn't come to her and say, I'm going to have your son be a prophet, and that means you need to go find the great palace where he will be educated by the great minds. He doesn't do that. He doesn't come to Mary and send an angel and says, Mary, your son will be the Messiah. You must work your way up to the highest pinnacles of Rome, and from there, your son, he will appear on a great and glorious throne on his first day. It doesn't happen either. God comes to these women and says, all I want you to do is be faithful to the duties that I have given you. He comes to Mary and says, you will have this child. Don't be afraid. You will name him Jesus. God comes to Joseph and says, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Raise this child. And when we look at the things which have changed the course of human history, we look at these figures, whether they be Abraham and Sarah, Isaac. We look all the way down through the lineage that they have. We even look at characters like King David. They all come from righteous family. They come from a, a family that has surrendered to God. And even when their families make mistakes, God comes and works despite those mistakes to pull them up to a better place. God does not ask Jochebed to figure out how to liberate the people of Israel from Pharaoh. All that is expected of her is that she will do her best with her natural duties as a woman created in the image of God. And that's something which is really important for us to realize, that when we make good on the calling which is innate to us as creatures of God, we do have the power to change the world. Our world, it is so desperate for us to believe that we are helpless. It is so important to the world to teach us that we must sit around and wait for the next newscaster to tell us something, wait for the next publicity stunt or something of that nature. But God wants us to realize that we can make a difference in our world when we simply surrender ourselves to God, to Him, to Him who is the master of all creation. The world may be very desperate for us to believe that we're helpless, but God teaches us something different. God teaches us that the most impactful changes are those that begin with families, those that begin with a loving mother who fears God and raises up her children. When we look at the mother in this scripture, we look at Jochebed, you can rest assured that she has done far more to change the world than any politician ever has. This is not something which is polite pandering either. It's objectively true. 
We look at how the kingdom of God has shaped the history of the world. We see that it does start with families and it spreads, it goes out, it spreads around the world like a fire. This is a truth that God has been trying to tell us all along. It's a truth that's been with humanity from the very beginning. It emboldened us when we accept it. When we accept the fact that God wants us to live out righteous lives, when we look to our families, we start there with the Christ-likeness. We start there with the holiness. We start there wanting to live accordance with God's teachings. We find that it does have the power to change the world. And the world throughout the ages has known this. There's no question that in our modern day and age, there's a heavy attempt to rewrite what family life means, to, to undergird what it means to be a, a creature walking on this earth, to change all of that foundation. Because once you have changed what is one of the most intimate, the most visceral centers of what it means to be a man or a woman, when you have changed that, then you can do whatever you want with people because they don't know who they really are. Family life, it is a very ancient institution. When God comes to us, we as the church, we must assert that when God first gave man and woman the breath of life, he created them to be family. And through being family, the generations, they would shape the earth. Ancient Rome, they didn't want their soldiers to be married because, well, they wouldn't be very faithful to Rome. Our world, it knows that the family is very, very powerful. And that mothers, being mothers who love their children as they fear God, that they can do more to shape the world than any politician ever can. But of course, knowing this truth, well, it takes away power from the world. Therefore, our world wants to conceal this fact. We're in a day and age where it feels very easy to be desperate and to be helpless. But we ask the people of God, we must assert the, the nature that is given to us when we were created in the image of God. Yes, we also have the sin nature, and we must surrender ourselves to God that we can be cleansed of that, we can be freed from it, and we can be sanctified. And when we pursue God, because again, naturally, we often don't want to pursue God. We often want to, to do terrible things, and even you'll find within families, people doing terrible things to those who they should love. But when we accept the call of God that is just innate to being a man or woman, when our mothers, they accept the call to be a godly mother, they can do more to change the world than any politician can. Jochebed, she did phenomenal things in surrendering her son to God. And to this day, our behaviors are actually shaped by the life of Jochebed. You may not have heard that name be much before, but today is a Sunday. We're going to be doing a drive-in service here where I pastor. And today we're going to participate in a ritual that its form and the shape of it can be traced all the way back to Jochebed. And it's a ritual that you've probably participated in as well because it is the ritual, the sacrament of the Eucharist. The Eucharist, which is the sacrament of thanksgiving, we also call it communion of the Lord's Supper, it was instituted by Christ, and it is of value because of what Christ has done. But the specific use of the, the bread and the wine, well, those symbols of the unleavened bread and wine, they come from the Passover feast. And the Passover feast, it comes from the Exodus in Egypt. And without Jochebed trusting God to protect her son, we would have no Moses. And the Exodus and all of those series of events, they would look very different. So while we're not going to participate in a sacrament that, that is because of Jochebed and her authority, the actual look of it and the, the format of it, the, you might say the medium by which it has been brought to us, which God used to fulfill, it is tied all the way back to her, lowering her son down in the waters. The entire chain of events leading up to the sacraments would look different. 
Sure, God would have certainly worked, and we would probably still have that sacrament, but it may look different. It may not use the bread and the wine the way that it has for thousands of years. God has been using his creatures to walk throughout this creation and shape the trajectory of human life and the world and everything around us from the beginning. The world really wants to conceal the fact that individuals and their families have great power. And this is because when you conceal the power of the individual and their family, it's very easy to subjugate them and manipulate them. God desires that we be liberated from all of this and that we find fulfillment beyond anything that this world can originate. The great power of God comes to embolden us when we make the personal choice to follow him. God does want to empower us when we fully trust the hope of our lives to him. And just as Jochebed, she fully surrendered her son to God. In doing so, she finds that she can be with her son again. And as we close, I want us to remember the great work that our mothers have done in our own lives and even our spiritual mothers who have come long before us. Let us appreciate the power that God has given to us through the family. And with that, we're going to wrap up this message. We're going to say the Lord's Prayer together as we close, so feel free to say it with me, wherever you may be. And let us pray the prayer that our Lord taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. And on that note, God love you, and have a blessed day.